You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. The primary character of our text is David, the beloved of God. A man, according to the book of 1 Samuel, the 13th chapter, uh, was a man after God's own heart. David is known for being a worshiper. As a matter of fact, David is a prime example of what Jesus talked about in the book of John, the 4th chapter, the 22nd and the 24th verse, which in part talks about a true worshiper, a person that worships in spirit and truth. When you consider David in the Psalms as well as different passages that record his relationship with God, I think you'll agree with me that David was, in fact, a bona fide worshiper. He prayed the way a person should pray. He, he danced, he sung, and did other different acts of worship the way the Bible prescribes a person to do so. He was a man that loved God and was not ashamed to tell folk that he loved God. As a matter of fact, on one occasion, he had been magnifying and, and lifting up the name of Jesus. And his wife was looking down and she got upset over David, giving God the glory. So finally, when David went in the house, his, his wife gave him a piece of her mind in reference to him worshiping the Lord. And David responded basically by telling her that despite how she feels, that he was going to worship God no matter what. I think I have some folk in here like that tonight, that you'll just determine you're going to be a worshiper. It does not matter what takes place in your life. You're just determined that you're going to give God the glory, honor, and the praise. If I'm talking about you, just go ahead and say, he talking about me. Oh, he talking about me. I am just going to worship the Lord. And sometimes it's difficult to worship the Lord, especially from a fleshly or a carnal standpoint. And when I say that, I primarily mean when, when things are not comfortable, when things are not the way you desire them to be in your life, you sometimes battle whether or not you should give God the glory. Now I need you to be honest. Because you have some folks that will, that will say, I'm never challenged when it comes to worshiping or praising the Lord. But yes, you are. Again, if you'll be honest. 
there are times to where you're not only challenged when it comes to worshiping God, but you question God in reference to worship. You wonder sometimes why God has not answered your prayers. You wonder why so many trials and tribulations are taking place in your life. And sometimes you just get mad and, and just want to skip prayer, want to skip church, want to skip doing particular things that God told you to do. How many can identify? Now, again, David was a legitimate worshiper. And, and it manifests in First Samuel, the 30th chapter. Because I want you to notice according to the first four verses of this chapter that David and his soldiers had came back to their residence in Ziglag. And upon their arrival, they discovered that their homes had been invaded. They had been invaded by a group known as the Amalekites. Uh, the Amalekites' name means warlike, signifying that the people were hostile, a people that enjoyed fighting, people that didn't mind throwing down or, or warring against enemies. They had came in and invaded the city. And, and they primarily did two things. First, they burned the city down. Then they took David and his soldiers' loved ones captive. And then they left the city in ruins. And when David and the men seen all that had taken place, at the time they, did, they didn't have any idea whether their wives and children were still alive. And I want you to notice that David and his men began to cry. As a matter of fact, they cried until they had no power within them to continue to cry. I think most of us know that it takes something for a grown man to cry, especially in the manner that we see in the text. Crying until you can't cry anymore. Now you know that that signifies deep hurt. They had to have been going through something that was horrendous in reference to their soul. And finally, when, 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 when it seems as if they just started to think about what, was, what had taken place, that the men played the blame game. They began to blame David about what had taken place. It was his fault that the warlike folk had invaded the city. They were mad and they had to take it out on somebody. It's sad that you have some folk that 
are primarily like the men in the text. When they start blaming, they end up blaming the wrong person or persons. Now, they should have been blaming the Amalekites. I mean, think about it. Men so low down, they come to a city and see that no men are present, so they just decide to take the women and the children captive. Just decide to just burn the city down. I don't know how you feel, but men like that are just low down. Don't take it out on my family. If you got a problem with me, step up to me. Don't take it out on my daughter. Don't take it out on my wife. If you have a problem with me, be a man. How many men feel that way? Be talking about my daughter. Don't talk about my wife. Got a problem? Come to me. But the men say it's David's fault. That's who we need to get. And these men were so mad to where they considered stoning David or killing him. Need to kill him for all that done happen. And the Bible says that David became greatly distressed. Indicative of him being under stress, oppression. David's mind and his body began to go through changes. No telling what he was, he was thinking in his mind and, and, and no telling how he, he was responding from a physical aspect. I can imagine folk thinking about killing him and he, he was just constantly just moving like this to see if anybody would, would, would try to, to come at him from, from the back, the front, or from one of, the, one of his sides. But I can imagine he just like, well, I better get in a corner or something. And what I get? Let me get my sword too. But he knew if they decided to kill him from a physical standpoint, he didn't have a chance. How in the world are you going to stop 600 men from killing you? Now he pr probably could have took out a number of them, but sooner or later, they would have gotten to him. But he was distressed. Again, greatly distressed. But thank God that David did not panic or succumb to the pressure. He did not give in, even though he was probably being very observant of what the men were doing, he did not become weak and do something crazy. You say, what did he do, pastor? He did what he was known for doing. He strengthened himself in the Lord. 
He did what he was used to doing. He did according to Psalms 121 and 1. He looked to the hills from whence comes his help. Oh, look at that verse, Psalms 121, if you don't mind. Just, just go there, Psalms 121. Again, keep in mind when you're reading it that according to 1 Samuel, he strengthened himself in the Lord. Have you read Psalms 121 and 1? Read it for me. Read loud. Ready? Read. Now, hold it, hold it, hold it right there. Now, how many recognize that David is the one that wrote that particular passage? And how many like David, when you get to going through something horrendous, you look to the hills? You strengthen yourself in the Lord. Oh, you have to recognize when trouble is on every side that it's not time to panic. It's not time to try something new. It's time to do what you're used to doing, especially if you are a worshiper. Again, he looked to the hills. He looked to God. He looked to God because he knew that God, according to Psalms 46 and 1, in part, is a very present help in time of trouble. Oh, God, turn there real quick. Psalms 46 and 1. Oh, turn there. The, the entire verse is good, but I want you to notice the latter part of Psalms 46 and 1. Mm, look at what it says there. Are you there? Now I need you to read it with some authority. I need you also to read it loud. Ready? Read. That's the reason David strengthened himself in the Lord. That's the reason he gave God the glory. Because he knew the Lord was a very present help in trouble. The situation was bad. The situation was was not in his favor. Primarily all of the odds was against him when you look at it from a literal standpoint. But he still knew his help was in the hills. He still knew that his Savior was a very present help in trouble. So primarily when David strengthened himself in the Lord, he got to praising his God. He praised the Lord anyhow. He praised the Lord despite how bad the situation was. Look at your neighbor and tell him uh, whenever you're facing a bad situation. That's when you need to worship. That's when you need to magnify God. That's when you need to pull out your tambourine. That's when you need to put on your dancing shoes. That's when you need to put your hands together and magnify your God like you never have. That's when you need to start turning in victory by faith and declaring out of your mouth that you're coming out despite the odds. You're coming out despite what the people are saying. You're coming out despite facing death because you know your God is inhabits the praise of his people oh how many know what i'm talking about can i take it further 
when you consider the book of Nehemiah, the 8th chapter and the 10th verse, Nehemiah told the people of God that it was no reason for them to be sorrowful. It was no reason for them to be down because the joy of the Lord was their strength. Oh, and how many know tonight that when you get to going through trouble, all you have to do is praise the Lord anyhow and God will send forth some joy. He'll strengthen you from your crown to the sole of your feet. Oh, some of y'all ain't getting happy. You must not know what I'm talking about. Oh, but I'll tell you, if you praise God, He'll touch your body. He'll touch your mind. He'll touch your heart. He'll even reverse the situation. He'll turn things completely around for you. He'll do what man cannot do. He'll do what you least expect because He's God. Oh, He'll do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask of what you think. If you know what I'm talking about, I'm find some folks and tell them he write about that. Oh, he right about that. I done tried God when I was going through some things. I done sought him in time of trouble. I done looked to the hills before. I know God will do exactly what the pastor is saying. Matter of fact, I'm getting happy thinking about the last time he brought me out. Oh, he brought me out. Am I right about it? Did he bring you out? Has he brought you out recently? Oh, has he ever brought you out when the odds were against you? Has he ever brought you out when folks said you wouldn't come out? Oh, didn't he show up in the nick of time? Oh, God, that's the reason we got to pause right now and just give him a big hand to praise. Oh, he did it anyhow. He did it anyhow. The odds were stacked against me, but he did it anyhow. Oh, God, I got to turn in victory. He did it anyhow. He did it anyhow. Oh, he did it anyhow. And because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's going to do it again. Ain't no need in you being down. Ain't no need in you thinking that things are not going to work out in your favor. Your God is still your God of salvation. He's still the one that can deliver you in the nick of time. He's still a very present help in the time of trouble. And he's going to bring you out. Do you believe that? Tell some folks I'm coming out. Oh, I'm coming out. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. That's the reason I'm praising him right now. Because I'm coming out. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. I'm coming out better than how I went in. I'm coming out with a smile. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. Sit down. When you consider what takes place thereafter, a question comes to mind. See, after David strengthened himself, he then looked to Abathar the priest and he asked the priest for an epod or a sacred 
garment. Now the question comes to mind is, why didn't David just get the preacher to pray about the situation? You you wonder if the preacher was so mad to where he had started to blame David about the situation. Now that's not stated in the text, but, but you wonder. Why did he not consult the priest? Because scripturally, that would have been the proper thing to do. Consult the priest. Get the priest to pray about the situation and find out what's happening. Get the priest to pray and and get some direction from God. Sadly, there are some preachers you can't get to go to God on your behalf. Because they are pseudo or really don't have a personal relationship with God. Now, I'm not saying that's the case with the priest in the text because I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering. I'm, I'm, I'm pondering over some things. I'm, why in the world would he not go to the preacher? And the reason I, I have drawn several conclusions is because I know how people are in our day and time. And again, some, some, some people know that, you know, my, my, my preacher don't pray. I'll come out better calling so-and-so. My preacher don't even believe in the Holy Ghost. I know he don't pray. Then some, some folks say, you know what, my preacher complains so much, I know he don't live by faith, so I don't need to go to him because it, all I hear from him is doubt. Murmuring and complaining, so I, I no, I can't go to my preacher. Well, I would ask the elders to do it, but you know them elders act like they don't know what it is to talk to God. I'm not going to the senior ministers either. There's so much confusion going on amongst them to where I I don't need to take this to them. And, and sometimes what folks say in reference to, to us as preachers is right. That's the reason it's important as men and women of God that we keep our act together. That's the reason it's important as preachers of the gospel that we not only teach and preach, but we live according to the will of God. You don't need to be a preacher that enjoys preaching the word, but you don't live it. 
You don't need to be a preacher that, that only believes some of the word. You need to be a preacher that believes like Jesus believed that man has to eat or live according to every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And saints of God, when you have good elders, you have good ministers, you have good senior ministers, you have a good pastor, you ought to be thankful, you ought to praise your God week in and week out because you got a man or a woman of God that cares for you. You can brag and say, I know my pastor prays, I know he heals from God because... He feeds me with knowledge and understanding week in and week out. How many know it's a blessing to have a good preacher, a good minister, a good teacher? Come on, let's give bona fide men and women of God a big hand of praise. Oh, God, thank you for good preachers. Thank you for folk that live what they talk about. Hallelujah. 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 I got to move on, but I know we are among bona fide folk tonight. I said I know we are amongst bona fide folk tonight. Isn't that wonderful? But back in the text, David got the airport and seemingly Abathar didn't give him no trouble just handed it over to him David put on that sacred garment and the Bible says that he inquired of the Lord basically he asked God for direction Lord, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? Simple prayer. The Lord answered him. The Lord basically told him, yes. I want you to pursue them. And I want you to overtake them. And basically, he gave him a guarantee that if he did, in fact, pursue, he would catch up with them. Go after them, David. For you will surely Overtake them. And then he, he adds to that. He says, and you shall surely recover all. You know, when you ask God something and God responds, God always gives you more than what you ask him for. That's the reason Paul put it in the form of a scripture when he said he'll do exceeding abundantly above what you ask or think 
And so he promised David, gave him a guarantee that he would recover everything. And no doubt, though it's not recorded in the text, David went back to the men who were talking about stoning him and preached. He preached. He said, why do you say he preached? Because when, when you consider them prepared to stone him, but then the next thing we read is that, is that they have had a change of heart. And now they are prepared to follow him. It is the word of God that pricks hearts and causes a person to change. No doubt David preached the word and the men received it and were pricked in their heart and probably said to David, David, we are so sorry. We messed up. And someone probably said, you know, David, we weren't really going to kill you. And David like, uh-huh. But the 600 men decided to follow David. Got on their horses. Got their weapons. And when you consider the text, certainly they rode hard. I mean because they were after the enemy. And so they got to ride hard. Riding, 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 riding. Until finally they got to the brook Besor. And apparently they, they started or they took a rest there. And so they rested. And something happened that's, that's somewhat startling. Because there were 600 men that started to pursue with David. But when it was time to cross the brook, 200 of the men had decided they were not going any further. Notice the scripture says that the men were so weary that they just said, we're going to stop right here. We're just going to stay right here. We're done. Now, I got a problem with that. I, I got a real problem with that, with that verse. Well, it ain't the verse. I got the problem with, with the men, and I know that's been thousands of years ago, but I still have a problem. I got a problem with men who allow weariness to stop them from doing something that needs to be done. Now how in the world you how in the world you gonna say you too tired and they got your babies? 
if I got to crawl, I, I, I'll crawl, but, but somebody going to do something. If, if I got to say, well, David, can you give me five more minutes? But I ain't going to be left behind knowing that they got my babies, they got my wife, I got to... Look at your neighbors and that ain't going to happen. I'm tired, but I, I got to... I, wait a minute. Give me some Gatorade or something. I, I can't quit. They got my wife. They got my babies. They even got my little nephew. They got my little nephew. I can't quit. There are some things you shouldn't even think about quitting no matter what. But sadly, you have folk that'll quit. Doing certain things that they should never quit doing. Even church folk. Yeah. You, you have church folk that will quit worshiping. They'll get so weary because things are not working out the way they expected them to work out to where they'll just quit. And get to the point to where they feel, well, God ain't listening anyhow. He ain't going to do it anyhow, so I might as well just quit praying. But tell your neighbor, there are certain things you should never quit doing. And number one on that list is not quit worshiping your God. You should never stop worshiping your God. Because you know your God has been better to you than your own mom. You know your God has been better to you than your pastor. Better to you than your granny. Better to you than your job. Better to you than anybody else. Am I right about it? You know what these men were actually doing from a theological standpoint? They had quit their God-given assignment. God told David and these men to pursue. They had stopped doing their God-given assignment. God had gave them a charge to go after their enemies and they quit. They quit. They got weary in well-doing. Paul told the New Testament church not to do so. Told the brethren, don't get weary in well-doing. They quit. They quit pursuing. And when you consider that based upon the text, pursuing is challenging. It takes something to pursue. Pursue has to do with pressing your way despite barriers or obstacles. It takes something to keep going. Despite what you're facing, 
despite what you're feeling, despite the battle that's going on in your mind, it takes something to pursue. There are a whole lot of folk that start out as if they're going all the way. But soon as it starts to get hard, they give in. Just like the men in the text. No doubt when they saddle up, they say, let's go, David. We with you. We behind you. We got your back, so let's go. But when they got to the brook, it was a different story. Isn't it amazing how folk will change on you when things start to get tough? Isn't it amazing when how folk will change on you when you mess around and do something that they don't approve of? Isn't it amazing how folks are with you until you mess around and say something that get on one of their nerves and then they change their attitude. They change their talk. They start acting as if they don't know you or they start acting as if they can't stand you even though you hadn't laid a finger on them. Oh, you don't have to say anything, but I know I'm talking to some folk tonight. They quit. But look at your neighbor and say you shouldn't quit. No matter how tough it gets. Well, what do I do, pastor? You remain diligent. You remain diligent. Literally, diligence has to do with being persistent and working hard. You keep working hard despite the obstacles. The root meaning of diligence is valuing highly. You put importance on what you're doing. Make your assignment for God so important to where you don't allow anything or anybody to stop you from pursuing it or accomplishing your goals. You never allow anything or anybody to get in your way. From a biblical standpoint, a person that's diligent will be rewarded by God. Hebrews 11 and 6 decrees, Without faith it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Diligence will pay off. I don't care how tired you may get. I don't care how rough your path may be. If you remain diligent, it will pay off. Off. Will you say that to somebody? Tell him or her diligence pays off. Oh, it pays off. It may not seem like it. It may not seem like it at the time. It may not even seem like it right now. But I say to you, based upon my experience, that diligence pays off. How many, how many others can testify that diligence pays off? Let me see by a show of hand. Look around you and just say that diligence pays off. Oh, it pays off. It pays off. It, it brings forth great rewards. Is that true? So what do you do? When 200 or nearly half of your fighters have stopped. have decided to quit. What do you do, pastor, when, when, when you have 70 members, but 35 decide? <laughs> I'm done. 
Let's go somewhere else. What do you do, auxiliary leader, when you have ten faithful members, but, but, but some, when they get to the brook before, decide, I'm tired. I don't want to cross this cold place. So I'm going back. And you're left with three. What do you do, minister of music, when the choir has plenty altos, sopranos, and tenors? But then some get mad because they were not chosen to sing a song and then they decide to walk out and form their own little group. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do, business owner, when you have, you've, you've had your company set up and it's flowing well, but then you have a hungry young executive that decides to stab you in the back and go and start his own company. What do you do? What do you do, parents, when you have raised children and then despite all of the training, they turn their back on you? Do you just quit? Do you just give up and say, well, since they left, I might as well just stop doing what I'm doing. The church can't go on without them. The business can't go on without him. Oh, I might as well just throw in the towel. I I might as well just quit. No, No, I can't. Me get my towel back. I can't quit. Tell your neighbor, no matter what happens, you can't quit. Oh, it may hurt for a minute, but you can't quit. It may bother your mind for a minute, but you can't quit. It may keep you from sleeping for a few days, but you can't quit. You may feel as if all hope is gone for a second, but you can't quit. Oh, I need somebody to encourage some folks not to quit. Because there are folk in here tonight that are contemplating quitting something. But I need you to go to them and encourage them. Don't you quit. Oh, whatever you do, don't you quit. Don't you quit. Don't you quit. Don't you quit. Oh, God, I need you to go to some more folks and tell them don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. No matter what you do, don't you quit. Don't you give up. Don't you throw in the tower. It's not over until God says that it's over. Tell your neighbor it's not over until God says it's over. And tell them God is not going to say it's over when he has ordained for you to do something. If everybody leaves, you still got to stand flat-footed and do what God told you to do. Because if God has ordained it, he's going to take care of it. He's going to see you through How many know that? Tell your neighbor God will see you through. No matter how many folks leave you. No matter how many disappointments come. Your God will see you through. 
If somebody knows that, you ought to high five somebody and tell them I know that. Tell them again, I know that. So David and the 400, they kept pursuing. They kept going after the enemy. Oh, they didn't have everybody, but they kept going anyhow. They had lost some of their strength, but they kept going anyhow. They were probably wondering in their mind, but they kept going anyhow. They were no doubt tired in their body, soul, and spirit, but they kept going anyhow. Tell your neighbor that's a good example to us tonight. Tell your neighbor no matter what, keep going anyhow. Tell them one more time, keep going anyhow. Finally, some things took place and David arrived in the midst of his enemy. And when David arrived, he noticed that the enemy was in the valley. He noticed that the enemy outnumbered him. So David took a moment and he started to make a plan. Embedded in his spirit was the fact that God had promised him that he would overtake them and recover all. So when he made out his plan, undoubtedly in his spirit was that God is going to do it no matter what. And how many know when God promised you something, that's better than money in the bank. Because according to 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, all of the promises of God in him are yes and amen. Tell somebody God's promises are guaranteed. They are a sure thing. Do you know that? If you do, shout, I know that. Oh, I know that. So David went down to battle. And the battle was hot. It says that the battle went on from twilight unto daylight. But David kept fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. He was tired, but he kept fighting. He was weary in his mind and body, but he kept fighting. The soldiers kept fighting. No doubt they were wore out, but they kept fighting, kept moving, kept doing what was necessary. Look at your neighbor and say, never allow tiredness to stop you from going to stop you from fighting to stop you from pursuing oh they kept fighting until finally they got the victory oh they got the victory come on put your hands together and give them the praise for getting the victory can I take it further David when he knew he had got the victory he went and found his wives saw that his wives were okay then he looked around and saw his soldiers and seeing that they found their wives and their babies as well as all of the spoil and then the verse 
turns to the promise of God and it says that they recovered all. Look at your neighbor and say in the words of Prophetess Beasley, that's just like the Lord. Oh, tell somebody, that's just like the Lord. Tell somebody with a smile on your face, that's just like the Lord. Said to two more folk, that's just like the Lord. I'm getting happy. I said I'm getting happy. You know why I'm getting happy? Because I know if God did it for them, he'll do it for us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's not a respecter of person. He changes not based upon that. I come to tell you, no matter how bad it has been, no matter how rough it may be, no matter how weary you may be, you shall recover all. You shall recover all. You shall recover all. Tell your neighbor everything is coming back. Everything is going to be restored. Everything is coming back. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? I said, do you believe it? Shout yay! Yay, yay, yay! Yay, yay, yay! Yay! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, the story is not over. After David seen that he recovered all, the text then shifts to some extra spoil, some extra stuff, some extra benefits. David began to get some extra stuff some extra benefits tell your neighbor when you recover all hold on a minute because it's not over God is going to give you some extra God is going to give you some more benefits do you believe it do you believe it if you do shout yeah shout yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. Please stop by our website for more information on our church at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Until next time, remember... Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly.